Happy Friday. Welcome back to Kingfield. I am Matt. That is Cooper. And Cooper is dying. Cooper, how does it feel to be dying? <clears throat> Anticipation of sweet relief. <laughs> You're going to finally be detached from this mortal coil. That's right. I get to go into the play Roma and hang out with the Aeons. <laughs> you never have to care about anything again. Go slay the Demiurge. Hell yeah. So. I am coming down with a head cold, everybody. Mm -hmm. That's why he's... So I'm going to be making a lot of yeah. ASMR. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> this is either, either going to be our most popular episode ever or our least popular episode ever. <laughs> Uh, so if you guys uh, missed our last episode two days ago, we had a great conversation with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Orrin McIntyre, uh, really enjoyed talking about, uh, sort of the, the, the intellectual backdrop of the uh, sort of pseudo community once known as NRX and the different NRX ideas and their implications and how we might see them bearing themselves out in reality now. Um, this show here today is going to kind of build a little bit off of, off of some of the stuff we were talking about in that episode. Um, so if you're first encountering this, if this is the first time you've encountered one of our episodes, I recommend go back and listen to that one, um, uh, at least to provide additional context for what we're talking about today. Um, oh, speaking of, uh, New listeners, uh, if you're listening on the podcast uh, feed, we realized that there was some there was an issue with the file type that we were getting that we were uploading um, that was causing, for whatever reason, apparently Spotify was blocking it. And so the Spotify feed wasn't updating at all. Nobody said anything to us, so maybe we just don't have anybody listening on Spotify. But uh, we realized what the problem was. We fixed it, uploaded our most recent episode, and it uploaded fine, no issues, played just fine, no issues, and... The Apple podcast issue where before it was not playing for people, that issue seems to be fixed as well. So if you guys are audio podcast listeners, that's how you prefer to consume stuff. Uh, I've, I understand. I've been hearing from some people that uh, I'm the weird one. I, I'm the one who pays out of 16 bucks a month or whatever it is for YouTube premium. So I just, you know, I just stream stuff on YouTube all the time. And I know a lot of people aren't that way. They prefer to listen to their content, and it's hard to do that on YouTube. That's what I do, for it. except I don't have YouTube Premium. I just you know, I deal with the ads. Oh, man, it would drive me insane. It would also, the other thing is, like, being able to close I'm my cheap. phone and, like, I'm an like Irish navigate man. to other apps and stuff um, without having to sit there with YouTube open all the time. Um, well, I mean, if you hit home, at least I don't know how it works on Apple, but on Android... You can close out the app and it'll just open a little mini window down in the corner and you can scroll uh, around, do other things while it's still playing. Oh yeah. I remember they introduced that a while back and they actually do have that for Apple now. So it's, so that's actually not even a reason for me to pay for it anymore. So honestly, I probably don't really need to pay for it. Um, but also the ads is like, like I will lose my mind if I get, and apparently the ads thing is bad. We've turned them off on here. Um, cause I, it gives me the option. It doesn't give me the option to turn them off. Actually, the, the thing I have to do is choose to insert the ad breaks manually and then just not insert any. That's the only way I can not do it. But uh, I don't want to spam you guys with ads on here. Um, that's that's annoying. It disrupts the the live show dynamic and everything. So I remember YouTube. They got crafty, and they gave me a free month of YouTube Premium. And I was like, oh, cool. And then so I signed up for the free month, and then I immediately canceled the subscription so it doesn't charge my card a month from now. And you know, in that short month, 
I got real used to not having ads. And then when they came back, I was angry. Uh huh. <laughs> I will happily pay 15 bucks a month or whatever it is to not experience that anger. <laughs> so it took another, I don't know, month of readjustment to get used to the ads again. Well, if you guys want to help Cooper pay for YouTube premium, then um, so he can not have to deal with ads, then uh, you guys can consider becoming a member of the King Pilled Supporting Listeners Group. We have a great little Discord community going. Got, But instead of using that money that you were, you know, donating for the cause of me not having to listen to ads, I'm probably just going to continue listening to the ads and I'll take that money and buy a pack of cigarettes or something <laughs> instead. Hey, at least he's honest. You know, he's he's he's, he's not going to pull one over on you guys. He's very transparent. You give me... Yeah. <laughs> add to Cooper's cigarette fund. Right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so you can add to Cooper's cigarette fund. Uh, there's a few different ways you can do that. One of them is to go to subscribestar.com slash kingpilled and uh, become a supporting listener. That, that will get you access to the Kingpilled Discord where uh, we have been just talk. Basically, it's like an episode of the show, except we go there and then like everybody's all talking uh, and, and discussing all these sorts of issues. And we just happen to have, I was going to say, we have some of the smartest guys I've ever met. We also have some of the dumbest guys I've ever met. But that's what makes me feel like yeah, I'm that's, a good company. That's true. They're both We've like got the smartest some, we got a couple retards. People. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I fit in no matter what. Kyle. <laughs> Fucking Kyle. So uh so yeah, if you want us to also insult you while taking money from you, then you can go to subscribestar.com slash kingpilled and sign up to support the show. That way you can also uh send in super chats. We'll read those on the show here. And you can Oh yeah. Uh, Ryan Isaac, that guy's insufferable. Can't stand him. Oh man, like the dude just like he shows up and he doesn't even have his IQ. mic on. Like like, how are you going to go in a voice chat and just listen? You got you got to actually have your mic on. You got to talk. Don't don't tell me you have a life. Don't tell me you have a family. You know, like we don't we, we don't have time for that sort of stuff. We have autism on the just internet. Consuming. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Priorities, man. <laughs> Colin Rock says King Pilled fitting the IQ meme. Yeah, exactly. Yep, <laughs> we are. Our community is like a corporeal manifestation of the IQ meme. Um, so <laughs> Ryan says I can make an excuse, but I'm just a retard. <laughs> yeah, that's the spirit. Uh, so yeah, you can do that. You can also become a, a channel member here on YouTube um, as well, and that will uh, give you the ability to make cool little emotes, and you get a little like a little king pilled uh, picture next to your name, and you get to feel special. So. Um, our eternal gratitude. That's right. That's right. No matter which route you choose, you you do receive our eternal gratitude. So, we've we've mentioned several times on the show, uh, in the last several episodes, this idea of the PayPal mafia, and I've been spending an inordinate amount of time uh, digging through, uh, just looking like going through Wikipedia and just like going like this guy's connected to this guy, connected to this guy, connected to this guy, and going down and reading all of their bios. And then I've gone and I've looked at, found specific ones, and they're actually active on Twitter. So then I've gone and I've been looking at not just what they're tweeting, but what they're liking. And it's, I'm really starting to build out a um, kind of a mental model for the way these guys are thinking, the way they're looking at the world, how they're viewing reality as it's happening right now. And it just so happens that these guys are, um, it, they, they represent an extreme amount of wealth they're, they're, I mean, collectively, they're, I don't even, I wouldn't even be able to hazard a guess at what their collective net worth would be. It would be in the trillions. Um, and 
they have a lot of really interesting historical things in common, like the different companies they've worked on together, the sort of projects they're working on, but then things like their ethnic backgrounds. There's a lot of them from South Africa and specifically people who came from South Africa who were involved in, who had family who were involved in the apartheid government. Uh, then there's uh, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy obviously is part of the, uh, uh, he was a, a Brahmin. So you got another kind of like elite class in, a, in, a, in an older society. Uh, there's another guy who's Vietnamese, and his uh, he comes from the one of the ruling families of Vietnam. So I'm seeing this this there's little interesting patterns like this that keep showing up as I'm studying all these guys. But what's what is abundantly clear is that this is a rising counter elite. This is a um, not necessarily. I, I don't necessarily think they're explicitly organized. Like I'm not saying that they're that they're having board meetings on how we're going to take over the U.S. government. It's it's more a network of of incentives with some loose coordination here and there. However, doing this this like Wikipedia uh, uh, deep dive on these guys and jumping off into all the links and reading news articles associated and journals and press releases and all these different things and seeing the different projects this guy's invested in. Oh, he actually, is, he's invested in that with this guy as well. And in fact, they came on around the same time and this sort of thing. It's kind of like playing six degrees of Peter Thiel. It's probably less than six. It takes like maybe three or four link clicks on most of these guys' projects to get back to Peter Thiel. And there's major uh, investment firms, uh, massive amounts of capital that's been amassed and directed into some of the most influential companies in the market today. So these guys are basically all new money, new money, 100 million and, and billionaires. And they're all, the way they got wealthy is basically by working together to make to invent technology and market and and fund all the different technology platforms that people spend 90 percent of their existence on now so it gives them a tremendous amount of power individually in their own right but then when they begin kind of operating in sync beginning to make moves cooperatively whether explicitly or not it means there's a there are profound social effects downstream from that and oh, Trey 50 Daniel said someone spread a new rumor that J.D. Vance could be VP for Trump. That would be nuts. Now that I would buy. That would be very, very interesting. Uh, J.D. Vance is one of these guys. Uh, for an example of some of the types of, of connections I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, this is just one small one. <clears throat> I was looking at Truth Social and I was like, hmm, I wonder what the money is behind Truth Social. Like what's, what's actually there? Because it, it's fascinating to me that a, a, a big sign that Trump is 2024 Trump in a lot of ways is weaker than 2016 Trump is when he created truth social, no one gave a shit. If, if 2016 Trump had created his own social media platform then and moved over to it, that social media platform probably would have become what Twitter became with Trump. So, the fact that he releases his own special social media platform that he exclusively posts on even after being allowed back on Twitter and nobody cares. Like the only reason that Truth Social exists is for Trump to post stuff so everybody else can go post it on Twitter. Then that's when it actually gets out to people. Nobody gets, nobody receives any messages from Trump via Truth Social. 
But what was interesting is when I looked into Truth Social, I learned that it is actually hosted on the plat the cloud platform for Rumble. So Rumble basically is 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 cooperating cooperating with True Social and providing fundamental inf infrastructure. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I seem to remember some interesting names invested in Rumble to begin with. So I went and looked at that. And it turns out two of the biggest initial investors were JD Vance and Peter Thiel. So you have Elon owns Twitter, and in a roundabout way, Peter Thiel owns Truth Social. This is just one of these little connections that I've been parsing out. Um, so leading up to the, we, I've talked to you guys before about the, the thoughts I've had about Vivek and, and how he kind of came onto the, the radar for me. Um, but one thing we kind of didn't really have time to touch on the last couple episodes was uh, him dropping out after Iowa and the, my reaction to that, because it, that threw me for a loop because it made, it made even less sense to me. Uh, if I was thinking of him in presidential, like, like opportunistic presidential candidate, you know, the guy who's going to have his upstart and then like, like do a bunch of fundraising and capitalize off of that and go into a career in media or whatever. It made even less sense to me. Because coming into Iowa, like I'm expecting him to get, I don't know, two or three percent. Like I'm expecting him to get a small number because he's being frozen out completely from all the major media platforms. If you're not on social media and you're not like specifically on Twitter, it's going to be hard to come across him. It's going to take some time. He's just starting to pick up his media blitz and he's going on Tim Pool. He's starting to go like make, making the big podcast circuit and everything. This is happening just in the last couple of months, last several weeks, especially. And he... So I expected him to get like, you know, two to 3% because he's going to just not have, he was going to come out low. He's a nobody. And, and then, but like two to 3% is a good number. Like he comes out as a complete nobody and he, you know, two to 3% would be significant. Um, particularly because his, his voter is going to overlap significantly with Trump. So um, there's going to be a lot of people who would like, I vote for this guy if Trump wasn't here, but I'm going to vote for Trump because Trump is here. So his, that means that, that 8% where he actually wound up actually undersells his true popularity. So having him get 8%, when I saw that, I was like, wow, this is this guy is 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 going to be bigger than I thought he was. And yeah, Colin Rock says Vivek got the Ron Paul treatment. Right. And in spite of that, he still pulled 8%. I was like, wow, this is incredible. And then I someone sends a message. They say uh, that Vivek just dropped out. And I'm like, okay, this doesn't – like I've – at no point have I thought he's actually going to be a presidential candidate. But it's very clear he's doing something with his campaign, and it looks like it's basically a social engineering, or or and or data collection sort of uh, uh, like messaging operation is kind of the way I was looking at it, and I was trying to figure out what his what his actual intent was with it, and so I was like, wow, eight percent. So that means that he's actually and he's just starting to get into the the social media things, really starting to pick him up and, and, and getting in front of a lot of people and everything. So this guy's actually going to be a force to be reckoned with. And then he drops out. I'm like, what an odd move that do, like what? So that doesn't seem to me to be reactive to the result. Um, because the result like objectively to me is like is a, is a really good result. So, and if, and he seems too plugged in to be detached enough to think, oh, well, you know, I should have, I, I was expecting more than that. 
like again, I'm not looking at him as a presidential candidate. I'm looking at him as someone who's running a, an operation essentially. And he drops out and he endorses Trump right away. And now, I don't know this this story almost kind of got lost in the fluff a little bit because of what was going on with the the, the Iowa caucus, but he and Trump had been um, uh, basically pretty chummy up until this point. I've got an article here on the screen. Uh, this is from August of 2023, just as Trump opened to Vivek Ramaswamy as vice president. Um, it said, uh, pres former President Trump showered Vivek Ramaswamy with praise when asked in an interview if he'd consider the guy for vice president. And he called him smart and young and full of talent. He said he's a very, very, very intelligent person. He's got good energy and he could be some form of something. I tell you, I think he'd be very good. Uh, and then he, in the interview, seemed to acknowledge Ramaswamy's tendency to drive controversy, urging him to rein it in. He said, he's starting to get out there a little bit. He's getting a little bit controversial. I got to tell him, be a little bit careful. Some things you have to hold in just a little bit, right? So to this point, he's uh, Vivek has been nothing but just relentlessly complimentary to Trump. And, and Trump has been cordial in return. But then, well, actually, even before that, the thing that I thought would set Trump off would be when uh, Vivek, a few like within the week or so before the Iowa caucuses, he said um, that essentially that the reason he's in the race is because uh, DeSantis is going to join forces with Haley. Haley is the chosen is the chosen one, and Trump is going to be taken out. And so I'm here to to like he he started getting more dogmatic about that. Like Trump is going to be taken out. That's why you need to vote for me in Iowa. I expected that to to get Trump's ire up, and it didn't, which I didn't think was all that. I was like, okay, so so Trump decided to hold fire because he knows that if he goes after him, then it it raises Vivek's uh, platform. It actually puts Vivek in the driver's seat of their relationship. If he can say something and provoke a response from Trump at him, get him to punch down. So that didn't do it. But then Vivek, uh, at, a, at a, a campaign rally, took a picture with some supporters who wore a, uh, some shirts. They had like the, like the outline of the state of Iowa, and it said, Save Trump, Vote Vivek. And it turns out these were actually Trump supporters in Iowa who had made these shirts specifically because like they are Trump supporters and they like that Vivek supports Trump. And then Vivek took a picture with him. And this is what made Trump lash out, which made him look really bad. He said, Vivek started his campaign as a great supporter, quote, the best president in generations, et cetera. Unfortunately, now all he does is disguise his support in the form of deceitful campaign, campaign tricks. Very sly, but a vote for Vivek is a vote for the other side. Don't get duped by this. Vote for Trump. Of course, it's Trump writing, so it has to be in all caps and in, in, in quotes. Vote for Trump. Don't waste your vote. <laughs> Vivek is not MAGA. The Biden indictments against his political opponent will never be allowed in this country. They are already beginning to fail, already beginning to fall. MAGA. So, so that's like, this wasn't, this wasn't like him swatting away a flea. He was, he was going at him. And when I saw that, I Trump. was like, Trump. <laughs> so when this happened, I think this was the day before. Bitch. <laughs> I would just love to see. <laughs> Trump. 
Trump's going after someone like Vivek, and Vivek just uploads a video of himself. Like, he his phone's down here, and he just goes, bitch! And then just sends the video. <laughs> uh, so, my, my read of this was, uh, this was a big show of weakness by Trump. And by by going i didn't even I'm, I'm literally like following vivek and studying him and i had no idea what was going on like i saw this this post from trump being tweeted out on twitter and 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 like everybody's all riled up about oh now vivek's he he done messed up and you know he's he's cooked now he revealed himself see he's a snake and you know every like everything just was coming unhinged and i was like what on earth happened and i had to dig for a while to find what everyone was actually mad about so by Trump going after him for that pretty piddly thing, he's the one who raised his profile. He's the one that got everybody talking about it. He's the one that um, made himself look weaker by going after someone who ostensibly shouldn't be a threat. And I, so I said at the time, how Vivek responds to this is going to tell me a lot about what, he's, what his strategy is and just how, like, how well thought out this is. Because this struck me as a as an intentional move, like it was an intentional thing where I'm going to be very magnanimous and I'm going to poke and prod the beast until eventually the beast lashes out. But then that makes him look like he doesn't have impulse control. It makes him look weak. It makes me look better, et cetera, et cetera. And so I said the right move here from Vivek would be uh, to be magnanimous and gracious. Say don't don't like start firing back. Because if you start, if you try to get into an insult war with Donald Trump, you're going to lose. You don't want to get yourself into that position. That makes you look like a little dog nipping at his heels, which is not a powerful thing to project. So I said the, the right way to respond to this would basically be like, like, hey, man, you know, I fully support you. I'm here because I support you. You know, I fully believe in the America First mega agenda, and I'm not going to fight with you on this. And... But then what Vivek responded with was even better. I was like throwing my phone when I read this. Just the, 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 the sheer communication quality, communication skill quality on display here. So Vivek is, he says, yes, I saw President Trump's truth social post. It's an unfortunate move by his campaign advisors. I don't think friendly fire is helpful. <laughs> I read that. Oh my God. Vivek just big dicked Trump. That was the, my first reaction to it. It's an unfortunate move by his campaign advisors. So Vivek is establishing the frame of what's going on, and there's, there's two options for Trump here, and neither one makes him look good. Number one is he's the one actually making these posts, and he looks like a petty little girl. Option two is he's being handled. His campaign advisors are running the show for him, which is exactly what took him down before, was surrounding himself by people who were co-opted and who just controlled him. Just so one single line, he just just absolutely dropped his dick on the table in front of Trump. But he did it very magnanimously and graciously. He says, Donald Trump was the greatest president of the 21st century, and I'm not going to criticize him in response to this late attack. I've met tens of thousands of Iowans across 390 plus events here, and they're deeply worried, and so am I, that this system won't allow Donald J. Trump anywhere near the White House again. It seems they will stop at nothing to keep him away from power. I'm worried for Trump. I'm worried for our country. I've stood up against the persecution against Trump, and I've defended him at every step of the way. And he lists off the things that he's done, like filing a, uh, 
uh, he filed a FOIA demand to the Biden DOJ. He submitted an amicus brief um, supporting his uh, uh, calling on the Supreme Court to overturn Colorado's ruling, uh, pledged to remove himself from ballots if they remove Trump. And he says, but we have to open our eyes. Last time it was a man-made pandemic and big tech election interference. Now the same billionaires funding the lawsuits against Trump are the ones trying to prop up Nikki Haley. The same MSM blasting Trump is lavishing praise on Nikki. They want to narrow this to a two-horse race between Trump and Haley, eliminate Trump one way or the other, and trot their puppet into the White House. We can't fall for that trap one year from now. We won't look back and say we were shocked that it happened. We'll kick ourselves for not stopping it. This is like, not to sound like Scott Adams here, but this is like S-tier level persuasion, um, like controlling the narrative, uh, like speaking in really simple, concise, vivid terms that relate directly to the people he's talking to. This is, this is expert level communication stuff. He says, our movement must live on. America first didn't start in 2016. It started in 1776. We owe it to our founding fathers to do the right thing for our country. I want to save Trump and save this country. Let's do it together. You won't hear any friendly fire from me. It was, his response was better than I would have expected, even already having a high opinion of him and recognizing him as a, as a legitimate force. So at this point, like, I'm looking at this as, as he's coming in on a high. Like, now he's actually baited Trump into going after him, which puts him in the driver's seat. And then he drops out and endorses Trump. And I thought, man, this is absolutely fascinating. What, like, there's, this is, this is, uh, there's even more strategy going on here than even I, like, I'm not even, I'm just at a loss. I can tell what it's not, but I can't tell what it is. So Vivek flies to uh, New Hampshire and uh, he, where's the video here? Um, so he, he flies to New Hampshire for Trump's campaign rally the next evening. <clears throat> and I want to show you guys, whether you've seen the video already or not, if you haven't seen it, it's fascinating to see. So if you're listening to the audio version of this and you haven't seen this video, watch the video. Um, uh, it's about 27 minutes into the show. Come watch the, the video clip here and look at the body language between <coughs> Trump and Vivek. And there's a couple things Trump says that I want to highlight as well. And the kind of his, his body language, his facial expression, etc. And all of these radical left lunatics, what they're doing to our country, we can't <laughs> let it happen. We cannot let it continue. We're going down and we cannot let it continue. Last night, I was honored to receive the endorsement of a man who has become a true leader and earned the admiration of so many patriots. I, I've been a friend of his, even though we were competing against each other. But I was a friend of his, and we got along. And he was saying he's a great president. I kept saying, why is he running? He keeps calling me a great president. <laughs> but he's a fantastic guy, a very smart guy. He's got That's an interesting thing for him to say because it, it's uh... – it shows me that he that that Trump sees him as an outsider. This isn't this isn't Trump and and Vivek have been in in cahoots behind the scenes. Trump is is expressing, and he has a couple other things that allude to this. But Trump is expressing that he genuinely is like, okay, I see you, like I recognize you, I respect you. What the fuck are you doing? Why, like, read the room? What's happening? Why are you why are you like endorsing me? And and slop like like throwing all this praise at me and doing it in a way that I totally can't go after you for anything, but like stop stop running against me. You're you're you know you're you're throwing a a, a stick in the spokes. 
This is kind of his perspective toward him. He's got some tremendous ideas, and uh, he's young, and he's got some young ideas, too, and that's a good thing. So he has a big, beautiful, bright future ahead, Vivek Ramaswamy. Come on up, Vivek. All right, now I'm going to slow this down to, to regular speed here. <laughs> I love listening to Trump talk. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like I could just like sleep listening to him. It's just cozy. <laughs> <laughs> So watch the body language between these guys. First of all, like notice how tall Vivek is. I didn't realize he was as tall as he is. But Trump's like 6'3 or 6'4. So Vivek comes in here. He's a lot more coming in for the he's the one controlling this interaction from the jump. And and Trump is kind of holding him back a little bit. Trump's kind of like keeping him at arm's length and and Vivek leans in to say something, and Trump's kind of like, what? Like, they're, they're not on the same page. They're, Trump is very uncomfortable with this interaction. Let's do this, guys. It's good to see you. It's good to be back to New Hampshire. We miss you guys. We're going to make this happen, and you guys know this well. You know this man. You know why we're here, patriots across the state. We are in the middle of a war in this country. That's what this is. It's not a war between black and white. It's not between Democrat and Republican, even in a deeper sense. It's between the permanent state and the everyday citizen. Between those of us who love the United States of America and a fringe minority who hates this country and what we stand for. And right now we need a commander-in-chief who will lead us to victory in this war. That's what we need in this country. All right. So you can kind of see, you can still watch Trump's body language throughout this. And it's, it's, it, it's, it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. I'm going to keep playing this because part of what I want to highlight here is um, the things that Vivek is saying, given that he has this platform and the effect that that has on Trump. I'm going to speed it up though. So, uh, cause it's, he, I think he gives a five minute speech or something here. So. A lot of this is like all of this is just political rhetoric. He's just he's just he, he's he's rabble rousing. All he's doing is just engaging in rhetoric to preach to the choir and 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 get people get people pumped. He's connecting with them. And he um but he's coming in here and he is framing all of these issues for Trump. Trump is now Trump has him on the stage and he kind of seemingly has no choice. Trump could have easily said, you know, like, like, no, like, I see you as a threat to me. I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bring you on stage. I'm not going to, you know, like, thank you for your endorsement. That's great. But he's here giving a five minute rabble rousing speech. You got to know you're an award win one. You can't win one if you're asleep at the switch, have your head stuck in the sand like most Republicans. And I think that's going to require somebody who isn't bought and paid for a businessman, not a politician. Anybody heard of that? And that's why I was in this race, but I'll tell you, the people of Iowa spoke loud and clear last night, and I'm a big believer that we the people create a government that is accountable to us, not the other way around. That we the people choose who leads this country. And so we heard we the people last night, and that is why last evening I met my friend here, we met in person, and I told him that I would endorse Donald J. Trump for President of the United States and do everything in my power to lead us to victory in this war. It is a 1776 moment right now. That's where we live right now. 
And you want to know what does it mean to be a Republican today? It means we believe in the ideals of 1776. Ideals like freedom and merit and the pursuit of excellence. That you get ahead in this country, not on the color of your skin, but on the content of your character and your contributions. End affirmative action. End at DEI. We are done with the nonsense. Send it back home. It means you believe in the rule of law. And I say this as the kid of legal... Just wait till you hear his podcast conversations. His podcast conversations are very, very different. Different enough that it's very clear that this is, like I'm saying, this is barnstorming. This is throwing red meat to the crowd. I just kind of hate hearing politicians talk. Uh Uh-huh. I hate it. It Really trips up my cringe reflex. Yeah. Right. To this country. That means your first act of entering this country cannot break the law, and that is why we need to use our military to secure our own southern border in this country. That's what it means to stand for the rule of law in the United States of America. It means the people we elect to run the government needs to be the ones who actually run the government, not the shadow government in the deep state that runs the show today. This man is going to get in there this time around and actually shut down that deep state. Not messing around this time anymore. That's how we win this war in this country. And the way we're actually going to do this in the long run and win this this time around is with elections we need to secure in this country for the long run. You want to know what needs to happen in this country? Single-day voting on Election Day as a national holiday with paper ballots, government-issued ID to match the voter file, and English as the sole language that appears on a ballot. And this is really interesting. We'll be the one to get us. I've not watched this yet. This is really interesting. Yeah, he's, he's basically laying out like, all right, Trump, here's all the things you got to do now. Yes. Yes. He's the one who is, and there's, there's, there's more. Like after we finish the video, then there's more um, uh, beyond this that he's been doing. But you see how, and and Trump is kind of. There's some parts where Trump kind of looks happy, and then there's sometimes where he kind of gives sort of, sort of funny faces. And just in general, and then the dynamic they have is he's going off the stage. It. This to me is is Vivek is out alphaing Trump. He's the one who's now framing the conversation for him, but he's doing it in such an, uh, a, like he's managing to come off as being very um, uh, loyal and supportive, but not being like obsequious and brown nosy. So he's, he's relating to Trump as a peer and saying, Trump, here are your priorities. Here are the things that you need to make top priority. Get us there, and this is how we get our country back. Not black or white, it's deeper than that. These are the ideals of the American Revolution. And you know what? We do have some enemies that we need to defeat on the other side, but we have challenges to address in our own party right here at home. So you know what? If you want somebody who's going to foist onto you to use your social media account, you want to use a driver's license to do it, to have the right to use the Internet, this man's not your man. There's another candidate in this race who'll do that for you. It's Nikki Haley. You want to send, you want to cut Social Security, you want to cut Medicare, you want to cut veterans' benefits. Trump was legitimately amused by that. <laughs> Again, like, and notice the, the 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 points, the particular points that he's he's hitting, like use the U.S. military to secure the southern border. This is something that if Trump had, I, he may have said this in 2020 or 2016. Either way, this is like light everyone's hair on fire, like you know, a uh, uh, national emergency that someone might suggest something like this. And now he's just just whoop, just throwing it out there. But by putting it out there, he's establishing expectations for Trump's voter base. 
Putin's benefits so we can fork over more money to Ukraine so some kleptocrat can buy a bigger house? Vote for Nikki Haley, not this man right here. But if you want to actually put an agenda that puts Americans first, to say that the moral obligation of your leaders is to the citizens of this country, not another one, there's not a better choice left in this race than this man right here. And that is why I am asking you to do the right thing as New Hampshire and to vote for Donald J. Trump as your next president because we're not working with a lot of time here. If our kids are in high school before we get this right, we don't have a country left. That's what it means. We've been celebrating our diversity and our differences for so long that we forgot all of the ways that we are the same as Americans, bound by that common set of ideals that set this country into motion. We believe those ideals still exist. This man is going to be your next president to revive them. E pluribus unum. From many, one. And you know how we're doing it? We're doing it by speaking the truth at every step of the way. There are two genders in this country. Period. That is the truth. Fossil fuels are a requirement for human prosperity. Drill, frack, burn coal, embrace nuclear energy. Reverse racism is racism. An open border is not a border. Parents determine the education of their children. The nuclear family is the greatest form of governance known to mankind. Capitalism lifts us up from poverty. There are three branches of government in the United States, not four. And the U.S. Constitution is the strongest and greatest guarantor of freedom in human history. That is the truth. We fight for the truth. We stand up for the truth. That is what won us the American Revolution. That is what reunited us after the Civil War. That is what won us two world wars and the Cold War. That is what still gives hope to the free world. And if we can revive that dream over group identity and victimhood and grievance, then nobody in the world, not a nation, not a corporation, not a virus, not China is going to defeat us. That is what American exceptionalism is all about. That is what we are going to revive to, yes, make America great again. Vote for this man right here in the New Hampshire primary. God bless you and your families, and may God bless our United States of America. Thank you, New Hampshire. It's good to see you guys. We're coming back and winning this in a landslide. We will not stop until we get this job done. Thank you all. God bless you and your families. All right, so now for the, uh, for the interaction here, I'll take it back to normal speed. It'll be a little weird coming from the fast speed, but... <clears throat> We're coming back and winning this in a landslide. We will not stop until we get this job done. Thank you all. God bless you and your families. Trump's like, get the fuck off the stage. All right, yeah, go. <laughs> Leave. Wow, Fuck off. Nice. How was that? Pretty good, right? That was. So before, I, I just want to play a little bit of, of Trump's comments. It, um, he says a couple kind of interesting things here. But uh, one thing I'll say is from having listened to now hours of this guy talking, that was not a, there was no notes with that speech. That was not a, uh, a like pre-prepared remarks. That's just off the cuff. He's, he came in and just delivered that speech as like someone called him up and said, Hey, give a speech about why you're endorsing Trump. And he's like, okay. And just off the cuff gave all of his reasons. This is how he is in, in podcast interviews. And he's, he's very like raw, raw America, 1776, you know, uh, we, the people, blah, blah, blah. He's, he does that in these barnstorming kind of, of environments because he knows how to get the crowd going. He knows how to, he used the freaking phrase, American exceptionalism. He just drops it. This is American exceptionalism, and you're going to accept it. That's his demeanor. These are this is if you if you played that speech right there for Americans in 2016, for us in 2016, we would have been like, "Holy shit!" 
Like what, what, what in the world has happened in America over the, the, the next eight years for it to get to that point? Even four years ago, this would have been a extremely radical speech. Now in the in political rhetoric terms, it's, it's still pretty radical, but it's not being received as radical. Get, get, get Ryan Isaac off the screen. He's had oh, his sorry, moment. I'm still up there. Yeah, go away, Ryan. Ryan said uh, Trump seems so irrelevant in this video. Yeah. Like, when was the last time that you saw Trump on stage with someone that made Trump kind of seem like a sideshow? Someone who, <clears throat> like, sucked up all the charisma in the room. And the crowd's digging it. Trump can't, can't like, the crowd loves him. Everyone loves him. So this is, this is fascinating to me to see the, the relationship that I'm, I'm starting to watch form between them. So here's Trump's comments afterwards. Was pretty good, and he's a fantastic guy, and he's really, uh, he's got something that's uh, very special because he started off with a Zippo, and he's got, he ended up very strong. He did a great job. I was actually surprised when he called because he was doing well, and uh, it's an honor to have his endorsement. He's going to be working with us, and he'll be working with us for a long time. Thank you. So he... Obviously, everyone's focused on the, you know, he's going to be working with us for a long time line there. But uh, the line that stuck out to me was that he said, I was surprised when he called because he was doing very well. That seems like one of the great things with Trump is that you can kind of read him pretty well. He sort of doesn't have a filter. Like that's part of the, the, like the value of Trump. Um, and he says, just kind of says what's on his mind. And so in this case, like it, to me, just reading his body language, reading his, his, uh, uh, tone of voice and everything he's kind of speaking off the cuff so he's saying he's saying the things he's thinking he's like i was actually kind of surprised that he reached out to me because he was doing pretty well which part of the reason i i i i, I like the interpret that interpretation is because i agree with that that he was doing pretty well and but it's interesting that trump kind of slips that in there he sort of just, it seems like he just kind of careless, carelessly says it as he's sort of looking for words to talk his way through and transition into his next thing. But, um, so this, this it's, it's kind of painting a picture for me of, of the things that have been going on behind the scenes. He doesn't, uh, Trump doesn't feel as punchy as he did, you know, eight years ago. I was just going to ask you that. Seems a little slower. Say, <clears throat> contrasting him with now you got to got to uh allow for a little bit of an, of an allowance here because um you're going from the fast speed to the slow speed yeah, yeah. but his energy there's a huge energy after mm -hmm. vivek is, goes off the off <clears throat> the screen and i think i think part of that is kind of an intentional thing by trump he's sort of reestablishing the frame and and you know he's he's Everyone's high, so he's going to go low so that they come down and they meet him, and then he can pick them back up again. Um, just kind of part of working a working a crowd. But he doesn't just come off as, like, low and intense. He comes off as tired. He really the, – the, the Trump magic isn't there in the same way it was before. He's still wildly popular. He's still got a, a, an incredibly rabid base of support, but – that base of support has moved from being less about Trump and more about what Trump represents. It's kind of left him the person behind a little bit. 
I think a lot of Trump supporters would probably, they might object to that and, and say, no, 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 it is him. And they give the reasons why and everything. But I think it pretty clearly, like he doesn't have the same vibe and energy and excitement and stuff around him. And that was part of what Vivek was doing. Vivek was actually making Trump and Trump supporters look the way that Trump and Trump supporters make Ron DeSantis and Ron DeSantis supporters look. He was, Vivek was the outsider, the upstart, the one who was pushing the frame of the conversation. The one who was saying, yeah, the stuff you guys are saying and this stuff too. And he was making Trump look more like the establishment. Do you, uh, do you see any of the uh, DeSantis simps coping after the Iowa uh -huh. thing? That's, that's been pretty funny. It's so, they are oh, just so pathetic. So in, yeah, insufferable. They are the worst people on Twitter. <laughs> there was That's saying like, a lot coming from us because we yes. hate a lot of people on Twitter. Yeah, they are easily just the worst combination of patronizing and ignorant and um, <laughs> insufferable. Just, just, oh man! Every single post any of them make is some variant some passive aggressive condescending they're just like they're basically hillary clinton people like the the 2016 i'm with her people the desantis people have the exact same personality and there's like there's a reason why hillary was uh uh widely reviled and i'm not saying hillary and, and desantis are the same person desantis i think is honestly what the whole thing is revealed is that desantis is kind of a chump he just, yeah he it just seems like his his campaign is just carrying his balls around for him and he's just you know he just shows up on time whenever wherever he's supposed to be it's made him look very much very weak just very weak mm -hmm. and easily controlled which was exactly the thing that he potentially presented as a as a, an improvement on trump the idea was like you know, DeSantis isn't going to be because DeSantis is like a real ideologue here. He's not going to be beholden to interests the same way that Trump was and as easily kind of tossed around. But back when oh, he was man. still rocking and rolling as the governor of Florida, he should have like he should have like dropped 50 pounds and started doing steroids. Yeah, like Robert F. Kennedy. Yeah, because he just looks he looks so soft and fluffy. Yeah. And I think it was supposed to be maybe it's they like were the like dough oh, boy. We're gonna we're gonna do the dad bod thing here, you know, just kind of like lean into the dad bod, but no, like that's not what you want in an executive. Uh two bit podcast says forty three watching, but only ten likes. Why this? Yo, what um, what come on guys? Yeah. What you doing? It looks like since he said that it actually jumped pretty well. So uh we're up to twenty two likes, but we've got forty four viewers and twenty two likes. Do us a favor and get those as close to one to one as possible. Um yeah, Colin Brock says those boots turned out to be a metaphor for his campaign. Oh yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, there's 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 levels to that one. Pardon the pun. Fractal. Fractal. Yeah, yeah. Get us some fractal emotes in the chat. I think we got some we got some channel members watching right now. Throw us some fractal emotes. Um. So there's another interesting person here. We're going to come back to Vivek here in just a minute. But uh, there's another interesting person who <clears throat> has had one of the more shocking transformations 
of anyone that I've seen in politics in recent history. Maybe the only person who's been more shocking is John Fetterman. Um, <laughs> Fetterman. Now, I can't think I about that guy without laughing. <laughs> I don't think that old Chuck Dirk here is a Chuck um, Dirk is actually a, 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 you know, stroke patient. Although he's, he's almost done the opposite. He's gone from being like a stroke patient to actually like saying like, like what? Mr. TP USA is the one saying these sorts of things. There is uh, only one left wing subreddit that I occasionally venture onto. And it's, I think it's called toilet paper USA. And it's a bunch of people shitting on Charlie Kirk. And they'll like, it's one of the only places where you'll find good left wing memes. And uh. they'll like, they'll take his face and they'll, or they'll take a picture of his head and they'll just shrink his face. And then over time, like it keeps getting smaller and smaller. And it's really funny <laughs> just cause he's got this massive head. This yeah, tiny his face. face. Yeah, his face takes up like this much of his head. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Cooper and I have taken to calling him Chuck Dirk, which is uh, my son, three-year-old son, is just has just a remarkable mind. His his best friend who follows him around everywhere and does all sorts of things is is largely responsible for a lot of the bad things that that Eastwood does. Um, his best friend is named Pig Dirk, and he's a pig. Uh, that's P-I-G-D-I-R-K, Pig Dirk. And we talked to Pig Dirk. I mean, he's basically a member of the family. Uh, so what does so Pig Dirk look like? Like a pig. I don't know. We've never seen him. We just uh, were informed of his presence. <laughs> so Cooper and I started calling. We were, we were saying Chuck Kirk, and then it came out Chuck Dirk one day. And so we were, oh, yeah, Chuck Dirk. Um, oh, another thing Eastwood said recently, I, I bookmarked this to, to remember and, and to say on here. Uh, yesterday, so he's three, we're out, uh, my wife was out walking the dog with him. Our dog is like 12, his name's Pete, and Pete Cooper's Dirk. very well acquainted with Pete. And uh, and Eastwood goes, Mommy, Pete's a real dog, so we shouldn't light him on fire, right? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's right. We should not light him on fire. That is correct. Please do not light the dog on fire. <laughs> I've we're in does trouble. He like, does he have like an imaginary uh, dog named Dog Dirk or something that he lights on fire? Uh, maybe I'm not sure. His one of his other imaginary friends is a hamster named Jellybean, um, and then there is a cat named Gaki. These <laughs> are the all right. Yeah, these are the these are the imaginary friends that we've been introduced to. Um, <laughs> having having a three year old is just is an absolute delight. So, anyways, old Chuck Dirk here. Um, this this video came out, I believe, um, right after the Iowa caucuses. I think that's when it was. Um, but this is this is interesting because what this plays into is you're starting to see a specific kind of set of policy proposals that are starting to gain a lot of steam, and not because of Trump, per se. Trump talks about some of these things, but these things are coming from the. Uh, I, I want to say Republican media establishment, but it's almost not even that because a lot of this is coming through independent channels as well. But there's a media. Mm, Who listens to Charlie Kirk? A lot of people, actually. Why? There's like a media narrative that's building around a specific set of policies. And he talks about some of them in here. And listen to like, hold that thought 
and listen to this video and then see what you think. I have a lot of respect for Vivek Ramaswamy. You know, people said, oh, you know, he underperformed all this. No, no, no. I, I judge the success of Vivek Ramaswamy's candidacy. Completely different. Number one, he moved the Overton window to build consensus and open eyes to try to get Ronna McRomney out as RNC chair. He did that. He went on an RNC debate stage, and he had the courage and the spine and the stones to do that. Nobody else did. He deserves a ton of credit for that. Number two, I have never seen a candidate since Rand Paul running in 2015. It's been eight years since I've seen a presidential candidate be able to red pill normies, young millennials, high IQ, high functioning, high income, highly educated people like Vivek Ramaswamy. I'm not as interested in the poll numbers. You know what I'm interested in? The fact that Vivek Ramaswamy was able to command and keep the attention of Elon Musk talking about immigration, national sovereignty, national unity, talking about anti-war agenda, rebuilding the middle class. Vivek Ramaswamy did that, not Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis had the worst Twitter space with Elon awesome. I've ever seen. Vivek, on a weekend, by the way, Elon... Isn't like... Isn't Charlie Kirk, wasn't he like a neocon like a year mm -hmm. ago? Yes. Yeah, he's really turned on it, turned on the dime. Yes. Yeah, this is part of what I'm what I'm highlighting here. And the 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 narrative that's 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 stirring. And people there's there's all the all the cynical gunics, all the all the 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 guys who just are are cynical and jaded and and, and make make enemies with everyone on every front at all times. <laughs> They all are super, uh, um, they're, they're, they're cynical about this sort of thing. Like Red, Red Orion Isaac here says, red-pilled or cash-pilled. Like, honestly, it doesn't matter. Yeah. In fact, if it's cash-pilled, that's even more significant. That means that this guy's not just doing this because he's a true believer and he's getting away with it. That means someone is paying him to say these things. Which means that the desire for these things to be said is coming from somewhere higher than him. And he's legitimately like, he's a mover and a shaker. He has, he, he's, his communication and the, his whole brand and everything is super dorky, but he's actually influential. And he's, he's really a proxy for influence. And he's a very good proxy for uh, like, within the political class. Do boomers just get off on watching uh, like lefty college kids get humiliated? Because that's yeah. basically this dude's brand. Yeah, yeah. Well, well how many of those his, videos do you have to watch before you're kind of like, okay, this is kind of stale? That's what his brand has been, but this is basically his brand now. What you're what oh you're yeah hearing from him here, Jason. I forgot about this. Uh, apparently, uh, Curtis yes. Urban was on Chuck Dirk recently. Yes, that's right. Interesting. I've not yeah. watched it. Charlie frickin' Kirk is interviewing Curtis Yarvin, and <laughs> people want to say that oh, there's nothing going on. <laughs> there's something going on. But Elon's got a lot going on. He's got SpaceX, he's got Tesla, he's got SolarCity, he's got X, he's got all, he's got investigated by the government. And Elon, his time is the most precious commodity for Elon. That's his own description of his life. And Elon spends hours with Vivek Ramaswamy learning from him, asking questions, saying that Vivek is the most interesting person running. David Sachs, who runs the All In Podcast, who's great, has, at least from a tonal standpoint and a public appearance standpoint, seemed to go more center-right since he's engaged with Vivek. Vivek David Sachs is one of the key names in the PayPal Mafia. That's a name to keep an eye on. David Sachs, who is part of the All In podcast, where um, the All In pod is uh, uh, Chamath, the the uh, billionaire investor, uh, uh, Jason Kalkanis, who's also a close to billionaire investor, and uh, David Sachs. And there's one other guy I can't remember his name, but these guys are all are they're all longtime, very influential investors within Silicon Valley, and. 
If you go look at the, the stuff they've been talking about, they're, I don't know if they're using the term cathedral yet, but they're close to that. They're, they're, it's so, it's kind of weird, man. Like two years ago, talking about Mench's mold bug and everyone kind of whispered. And it's really kind of fringe esoteric thing. It's fucking Chuck Dirk, you know? Uh-huh. Here we are. Yes. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure that Chuck Dirk didn't start reading unqualified reservations in his downtime in the evenings. And then was yep. like, oh, man, I need to start talking about this stuff. But he's using unqualified reservations talking points. So those, yeah, mold bug memetics. There's a good term for you. Mold bug memetics. There's this, these talking points are being seeded into the conversation and they're being seeded by not by old money. This isn't the way that old money operates. These conversations are being seeded and these, these, these talking points are being seeded by someone who gets modern media, who gets tech, who gets social media, who gets the podcasting dynamic. Vivek is just a, he's, he's a, I don't want to say a pawn. He's a, he's a, very influential, but he's just a cog in a larger thing that's happening. Let me get the more, more, of, more of Chuck Dirk here. Vivek Ramaswamy has done a phenomenal job of being an elite red pill dispenser. And I know that might not resonate with some of you. I can't tell you how significant that is because we need it bottom up, top down. We need Donald Trump to win over the masses, but we need to try to peel off some of the people that we call the ruling class on the elites, people that run the institutions, people that run the companies and Vivek Ramaswamy because of his incredible talent for communication, his his lexicon, his vocabulary, his diction, his syntax, his capacity to make hard arguments and to, to do it in a seamless way, very high IQ, very highbrow, was able to get people that otherwise would not have been interested in this primary. Ron DeSantis wasn't speaking to them. Nikki wasn't speaking to them. And Vivek Ramaswamy also did last night. It was a test for him. He showed us what he's made of. He didn't get the result he wanted electorally. By the way, I called Vivek last night very late, and I encouraged him. I said, keep your head up. You have a bright future. I want to do more with you. I really tried to build him up because I think he's, I think he's did a great job. I really did. <laughs> by the way, I was skeptical of running from the beginning. And the skepticism was just the electoral part. And it turns out my skepticism was proven to be correct. But I totally missed the narrative shift. I did. I'll fully acknowledge. I totally missed how Vivek, without a doubt, moved the Overton window more than any other candidate, Trump even included, over the last nine months. Vivek Ramaswamy went up on stage, and he all of a sudden made it acceptable to talk about the Great Replacement. It's everywhere. It's done. The media can no longer destroy us on that. Vivek did that. Talks about getting rid of the RNC chair. He talks about all these different things in a articulate, charismatic, courageous, and forceful way. Let's play cut 42, please. As I've said since the beginning, there are two America First candidates in this race. And earlier tonight, I called Donald Trump to tell him that I congratulated him on his victory. And now going forward, he will have my full endorsement for the presidency. And I think we're going to do the right thing for this country. I love it. Why didn't Ron DeSantis do that? If Ron DeSantis is going to go get his clock cleaned again in New Hampshire, go spend more money, so that makes it harder for us to be the Democrats? Nikki Haley, forget it. Waste of time. I have a lot of respect for that. That's not easy to do. They thought he was going to do great in Iowa. It's not good. He wasn't happy. He sucked it up. That's called leadership. I have a lot of respect for that. You don't get what you want. You put the country above. By the way, if Ron DeSantis would have went up on stage and endorsed Trump, I would have a completely different tone. And there's still money left in that bank account. Every day, Ron DeSantis is losing the respect of people like me. And I have so much. He has a great moral bank account and he is spending down that balance. He is spending down the moral bank account. And it's, it really is maddening because I'm a cheerleader for the guy. I, I love going to Florida. What he's done there is amazing. But as every day goes on, I want to repeat what I said earlier. Every day that Nimarada and Ron DeSantis remain in this race is an in-kind multi-million dollar contribution to Biden and the Democrat Party every single day. Every day they remain in, the Democrats hope they could stretch this out. They want to maybe make it to South Carolina, maybe make it to Super Tuesday. Every day we need to have Donald Trump the nominee, raise the capital, ballot chasers, election integrity, grassroots warriors, and end this primary once and for all. God bless you, Vivek. You made a huge difference. And I think your future is just getting started. So, yeah. That's where Chuck Dirk is. I'm going to shake the ick off. 
it's like I mean, he sounds. In his I mean, if he way, wanted to pay me, like I'd probably like him. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> he, what he's done is, is he's been very effective. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying this is like uh, was an intentional thing, but what he's done is he's been very effective at uh, playing the game and developing a whole bunch of cachet and influence within the game. He's he's a mover and shaker. He's he's someone who is paid a lot of money and spends a lot of money and is in rooms where important conversations are being had. He's put himself into that position. Now, I wouldn't have been able to do that because I couldn't have humiliated myself the way that <laughs> that he made himself he gave himself a reputation for for doing. But this Charlie Kirk is a very different Charlie Kirk. I don't I, I don't whether he's a true believer or he's just reciting off his his written down talking points, I don't care. It's we've seen this is what we were talking about with Oren. Like a couple of years ago, NRX was like this super niche, like uh tamped down, very only like the deepest of autists went back into that like dustiest part of the library. And it was kind of like a laboratory where these ideas were were sort of being developed, but then as a consequence of Twitter and uh, podcasts and YouTube shows and this sort of uh, attention economy thing, the those all this messaging has gone right up into where it's now catching the ear of people like Elon Musk, like David Sachs, like Patrick Bet David. Uh, you're getting a lot of Tim Pool. You're getting all of these people who have massive audiences who are very much able to move people, the people who, when they throw their endorsement behind someone, it actually means something. Those are the people who are now approvingly listening to, albeit slightly watered down, but basically NRX talking points coming out through what is essentially the new mainstream. Tubit podcast says the reason you think he's vile Cooper is the reason why he's effective. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The, yeah. that, that vileness is what, uh, what, uh, what really works. Is that the key? I just got to be vile. Yes. Yes. Literally, literally nothing else to grade you on. Just how vile are you? Okay. So be as vile as possible. Um, the last thing that I have here, I really recommend going and listening to, the um this this interview with uh vivek ramaswamy on the sean ryan show this is from i don't know four or five months ago something like that uh i pulled up the transcript for it because i wasn't going to try to like go pick through all the timestamps. i didn't have time to do all that but there was a couple of things in particular that i wanted to point out it won't be the same as hearing it from him hearing the way he delivers this stuff um but the specific talking points are the ones that i want to um, I want to highlight because these are the things that are, uh, there's a lot of momentum building behind. So he's having this conversation with this guy, um, uh, Sean Ryan, and they're talking about uh, the deep state, how we're going to, how we're going to uh, get rid of the deep state. And he says, of course, when I zoomed in, I lost the spot that I had all, all set up here. Um, he said, 
Uh, okay, so he says they're talking about uh, the, the Sean Ryan says that that uh, this is a great threat to our national security. We've got all these geriatrics who are running the show, and um, you know nobody's behind the wheel. And uh, so he says uh, this actually gets to a deeper issue. I think the tempting thing to say on the surface, and there's a lot of truth to it, is that we have a gerontocracy in the United States, what you call this nursing home. And I do think there is a need, a requirement in this country for a new generation of leadership that can actually inspire, reach, and bring along young Americans, the next generation, for whom we're creating a country. But that's just the surface. You want to dig deeper. This is not an accident. This is by design. Because what really is happening in D.C. is that the people we elect to run the government are not the ones who actually run the government. That's a dirty little secret in all this, is that in some ways it was designed to be a bunch of hollowed-out husks serving as puppets for a managerial class that's really in charge of this country. That's actually why it's not just the old guys, why they want John Fetterman in the seat that he's in. You need puppets who are pliable, who are moldable, who are adaptable to the demands of a permanent state and administrative bureaucracy, a deep state that is absolutely the chief policymaker in this country. And the elected officials are really just people who enjoy being on cable television at night. They say, okay, give me that. We, we don't. The people in the deep state, they don't thrive on attention and ego. So we'll give the Nancy Pelosi's and the Joe Biden's the Republican equivalents, the ego hit, the dopamine hit from being able to be a famous person who stands in front of a camera when, in fact, the real laws of this country are not passed in Congress the, that is designed to look like uh, – he, he has a parenthetical thought. Um, he said – when he went to Congress, he said it feels like you're going to a museum because that's not where the laws of this country are passed. They're passed in the drab administrative buildings that you would never dare to go. It's designed to look and be boring for a reason. And I think once you see that, you understand why it is we are where we are. Um, so then uh, coming down here, he says, uh, so Sean Ryan asks him, like, I, I can't figure out who the deep state is. And he said, so this is the whole point. It's not one person. The model of there being one puppet master individually saying that I'm pulling the strings, that's the wrong mental model. In fact, in many cases, it's comprised. This is the harder part to see because when it gets really confusing, um, uh, there are many good people, blah, 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 blah. It's the nature of the beast itself is that it's not comprised of one human being with an intention. It is the machine, the Leviathan itself, that goes beyond a human in individual. Um, so then he, he details how, um, as an example, uh, he talks about how it's decompartmentalized and... Uh, he says there's an analogy. Um, we'll come back to the deep state piece of this, but it's deeply related to, let's say, censorship in this country. The way censorship is increasingly being carried out is initially the first version, the version that our founding fathers would have cared about, would have been the government carrying out censorship, directly saying that you, Sean, can't speak to criticize me as a member of the government. What they started to do is they started to be a waterfall. It wasn't the president directly saying it. It was administrative agencies. So it's the bureaucrats saying that you're creating misinformation that engenders and endangers the public. And I, as the president, I'm not going to be an autocratic king, um, this goes one step down the waterfall because so the government says um, the technocrats can't do it, but we'll have a meeting with you that you're a social media company. And we'll tell you, hey, you know, the guy who used to work for me now worked in the private sector. That's the place I'm going to work later on as well. So we already have a friendly peer like relationship. Um, and so then he he goes on to, to describe how you have the private sector, but then it's not the, the companies themselves aren't the ones that actually do the censorship. The companies outsource it to a third party to do the censorship. But then the third party doesn't actually do the censorship. They outsource it to an AI, some sort of artificial intelligence that does it. And so he uses the example of Alex Berenson. And uh, he said they literally name him by name. Hey, Alex Berenson, that guy, he's, he's criticizing government policies on vaccination. That's eroding public trust. He's part of the disinformation dozen. Why haven't you shut it down yet? And you come back and you say, well, you know, we think we have a free speech platform. And no, 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 you don't get it. Come on, you understand this. We're in this for the country. Why haven't you shut down his account yet? 
So then that horizontal managerial class goes and shuts down its account of that person because they know that the government side of it is still their regulator. Um, so that, so if you listen to the way that he talks when he's describing this sort of thing, it's not, I really, really encourage people to listen to his interviews like this one, where he speaks at length, completely off the cuff. And he's describing in detail why we need a powerful executive who functions like a powerful executive, who immediately slashes like 80% of the federal workforce. And then he rattles off in the middle of conversation. He says, you know, um, ordinarily you would need Congress to accomplish something like this, but it turns out that there's actually this one uh, a U.S. code, blah, 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 this short little code that is little known, but it actually gives the executive branch um, the right to be able to, to do this sort of thing. And, he's, and so he rattles that, that code just off the top of his head and describes what it does. So he's got a really deep, intricate understanding of um, the legal process, a legal precedent, um, the structure of the government, and, he's, and he describes it all in Silicon Valley terms. So he said that the, the big uh, focus that everyone has is on the cabinet positions. They say, well, these are the, 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 the ones that get all the, the hoopla and everything. But he said the most important positions, the ones Trump made a mistake and didn't um, actually uh, manage properly, are uh, the uh, um, Office of, of Personnel Management, Policy Officer of Personnel Management, which is basically the, the H, he says it's like the HR department of the government that's responsible for all the hiring and staffing of all the federal uh, bureaucracies. And then the other one is the Office of Management and Budget, which he said is basically the CTO of the federal government. And these are the things where you have to have the important people. He's just going through and he's outlining what any of our guys would have described as the problem with the existing system, where it all breaks down, all these analyses that we who've been in this community for a long time, have, we understand that. But he's breaking them down on a level of detail that surpasses anybody I've ever heard talk about it. He's, he manages to be like the Scott Horton of the deep state, but also is like a... Um, uh, uh, compelling, charismatic, <laughs> very clearly like a tech executive type of person. You can tell this guy has done, you know, he's been, he's been pitching business plans to people and, and functioning as an actual executive. Um, it, it, putting him and Ron DeSantis next to each other is just like, it, like Ron DeSantis might as well be sitting there with his finger up his nose, like eating Play-Doh. They're, they're just such drastically different levels of competency and, and, and cultural, I don't know, like they come from completely different classes. And he's describing essentially taking over the executive branch, treating it like a startup, like a tech startup, and stripping it down essentially like Elon Musk did with Twitter, laying off everybody keeping just the, the, the essential people, and then detailing how you do this and how you prevent yourself from being uh, cornered by the deep state themselves. The level of, of forethought and planning and everything that's gone into this is massive. This is not the level of forethought and planning you put into a campaign and running for president if you're just going to drop out after the, the Iowa caucus, no matter how, like, successful or, or unsuccessful you were what i'm seeing now is essentially vivek has come out and he's started all the conversations Matt, what 
what's the name of this podcast? Who's the guy? Sean Ryan? Sean Ryan Show. Okay. Yeah. There you go, Jason. He um, he also is, Sean Ryan has in, uh, done a couple of interviews with Eric Prince, who's another person I'm about to do a big deep dive on, the, the, the founder and former CEO of Blackwater, because I think he is tied in with all of this as well. Um, but uh, so what was I saying? Um, uh, running it like a startup. Um, and oh, okay. So, so Vivek came out and basically laid out the game plan. He essentially has, if you go back and you listen to the, the game plan he's been laying out, what it seems like is the case now is he's not laying out this game plan for himself. He's laying out the game plan for Trump. And then Trump is being cornered into a position where he has to fulfill this game plan because of the people who are, who are, are, are um, have been uh, uh, put, put around him. He's basically being handled into a corner, which I think is a very good thing. It's a very, the, the, the big weakness with Trump is number one, that he doesn't have the energy anymore, that he doesn't captivate people the same way anymore. It doesn't have, there's no, that 2016 energy is gone. And also his biggest issue has been that he just listens to whoever, whoever was the last person talking to him and surrounds himself with, you know, swamp creatures. And what I'm seeing now with all of this, basically the entire conservative media establishment, which, which you know, it's not even conservative, really. It would overlap with, with like guys like Elon and uh, uh, you know, Joe Rogan and Scott Adams and um, uh, Tim Pool and even Dave Smith is is completely on board with messaging all this. Sounds like Dave Smith might be getting a show on Twitter. All this stuff is is there is a a narrative and an energy that is building around this platform that is essentially funneling Trump in a given direction. Like if Trump wants to maintain his campaign, then he needs these people. Which is interesting because that means that Trump's indictments are actually an asset to the closest thing there is to our guys. Because his indictments actually, they place him in a compromised position. Kind of, kind of, it's kind of like the, 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 the crossing the Rubicon analogy that he kind of has to go full steam ahead. He can't really back off. He can't drop out. He can't like, like he has to go full steam ahead no matter what. And so there's people who are now amassing themselves around him and ensuring, hey, remember how you have to go full steam ahead? That's right. Keep going full steam ahead. Keep doing this. And one of the most interesting examples of this for me with Vivek was the day after that speech I showed you guys. He comes out and tweets. So I've, I've turned his notifications on because I'm like, okay, I want to stay up to date with what's going on here. So he comes out from his conversation with Trump. He comes out and tweets, hey, just left a big conversation with Trump. He actually pledged to me that he will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. Which, okay, Trump has no fucking idea what a central bank digital currency is. <laughs> yeah. So, but this is a huge thing that Vivek has talked about a lot. The central bank digital, digital currency. I, I cannot fathom Trump, who it seems pretty clear to me Trump has seen him as an outsider. This isn't like they have some 
you know, they've, they've coordinated this whole thing from the beginning and he's pretending they're not together, but then they're going to combine forces. No, like Trump sees him as an outsider. Can you imagine someone like Trump having a, this guy who just suspended his campaign and endorsed you came and gave this big rabble rousing speech in, on, in support of you. Then you go have a private meeting with him. And the first thing he does when he leaves the meeting is he tweets out, Hey, Trump just made these promises to me. I, I would not expect that Trump would be okay with that sort of thing. That's a good way to make sure that you don't get any private meetings with Trump again. But then a couple hours later, Trump goes out and gives a speech and says, I will never allow a central bank digital currency. And I was like, okay, so who's running who here? It seems to me like Trump is being, when Trump says he's going to be with us for a long time, it's almost like Trump is saying, I'm going to be with him for a long time. I don't know if this is Vivek directly handling him, but he very much is being handled. And this is, I believe, for the better. This is actually actual 40 chess. That so, is actually kind of a, a smart approach. And because, and so, like, okay, the way that Trump just kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, he goes with whatever the last person he talked to, he says, so he just, you know, he's going to make promises to this person. Then he's going to have another meeting, make a bunch of contradictory promises to that person. Mm -hmm. And then so on and so forth, just coming right out of the meeting and be like, hey, Trump said he promised all these things. Now it's like that you're making right. them have to do it. Right, right. Trump Whoppers in the chat, which, by the way, that's a great name, says Vivek is just another grifter. What say ye, Matt? Um, well, number one, like, what do you even mean by grifter? Like, what is that? What does that mean? Because grifter is 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 a term that's thrown around so much that it's almost meaningless. It's just, it, it's kind of just like to I me, don't have anything kind of against grifters. Yeah, I don't either. And it, to me, it's just kind of a signal of uh, of someone with a small brain. That's the way it typically strikes me. It's just kind of like emotional impotent signaling, just lashing out. I don't like this person, and so I eh, grifter. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. It looks like he might just be a troll. Okay. Hey, we got some trolls now. Nice. We're going places. We're our e-grifting oh, career Rock. is taking off. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we are for sale. We are just, for just sale. We are grifters, Trump Whoppers. Hit us up. Yes, we are. Yeah, we are if you want to give us money, we'll say whatever you want. We agree. <laughs> if we come out one day and Kingpilled has a completely different tone, you'll know what happened. And don't worry. We'll share. That's right. We we'll sell out so you us. don't have to. Uh-huh. <laughs> you could just benefit from us selling out. Yeah. The last thing that I want to tease here just a little bit, because I haven't dug deep enough into this to um, really understand all the implications behind it. But there's this thing here that I've heard talked about a few different times. Trump Whoppers, he says, it's really insulting that he, being Vivek, thinks so many people are truly dumb enough to not see his obvious grift. On the other hand, he is aiming squarely for Trump supporters. So, so are you saying that Trump supporters are stupid? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, he's our grifter. Trump Whoppers, uh -huh. get out of here. You, you're kind of a bummer. I don't like you. You're <laughs> yeah, ruining right. my mood. Um. Yeah, that like 
he's a grifter. Like what, what's your, what, what do you think his angle is? Like, what do you, what's his, these people have this, uh, this fanciful view of reality that is just, no, like, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ban him. We need more no. trolls. Turn Matt down or Cooper. <sighs> I'm louder than Matt. Back than Jesus. Okay. It's always one or the other. Yeah. Don't change well, anything you're doing. I'll change. Uh, oh, well, I just moved my mic like two inches back a little bit. It'll be fine. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. I get all excited and I lean in towards my mic anyway, so. Um, he called us snowflakes. Well, Emmanuel says not to derail his chat, but that's the dude who was doing the Bible contradicts comments at Jim Bob's completely unrelated to this. Yet it may give you an idea. Yeah, he's just a troll. Um, yeah, someone says grifter. He spent his own money on his campaign. Uh, yeah, like a grifter is like the, the entire approach that that I've seen from a lot of our guys, a lot of the guys that, that I, I – the guys whose bangers that I, I regularly like, I want them to keep tweeting those bangers and not to be saying like, like dumb gay things. The, the idea that you would have a. Even if he was a grifter, he's saying the things I like, you know, exactly. Like the cool. idea like that Chuck you have Dirk. a political candidate who is Chuck literally Dirk saying is a the grifter. things that you were desperate for people to say like two years ago, the guy comes out and he's saying those, I don't give a shit who's saying it. I care yeah. that there's someone who is saying it. And if he's brown and you have a problem with that, you're just broadcasting your double-digit IQ. Yeah, uh, Chuck Dirk is like the grifter of grifters. And he's saying things I like. So, okay. Right. I want to see the things that I like be the things that are said by the people with power. I don't care if they believe them. I, don't, I do not care what is in their heart. And I also don't really care if they're brown. Me neither. I know that's blasphemy for our corner of the internet. I don't care if it's a woman. Like, I want to hear okay. people well, that's where I draw the line. saying the things that I want to hear them say. I do not give a shit if they actually believe them. Okay, Matt. Well, we got to draw the line somewhere. We're not, no, no women. <laughs> well, this is you just don't want to hear women say anything. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like no, listening to women. Gone too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. The like, if unsubscribed. If you, the 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 narrative around Vivek of 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 oh he's the billionaire who's doing this to raise his own profile, um, so he can start a media company. Like, dude, like get out of the boomer world. It's not 2015. It it should take you like listening to 10 minutes of him to make it clear that's not what's going on. This is, you, you have completely departed reality if that's your assessment of it. Either that or you just don't pay any attention and you're just shooting from the hip, which, okay, great. Well, I'm telling you, I'm paying attention and this is, this is unprecedented. I'm not saying what that means. I'm saying it's unprecedented. I forgot to pull up this one thing. The, actually, I'll, just, I'll just, just mention it. Jamie Dimon the CEO of JP Morgan went to Davos like two days, three days ago, something like that, right after this whole thing with Trump and Vivek. He went to Davos on CNBC, CNBC and he said, Trump was right about NATO. Trump was right about immigration. 
Trump was right about the economy and the Democrats, the Biden campaign, whatever, is is uh, they need to dial back all of this anti-MAGA sentiment. And they need to remember we have our countrymen and we need to respect their views, yada, 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 whatever bullshit. Jamie Dimon in 2024 is saying Trump was right about immigration. Trump was right about the economy. Trump was right about NATO. While the U.S. is engaged in a proxy war through NATO in, in Ukraine with Russia. Mm. The CEO of J.P. Morgan said Trump was right about NATO. And these... Of J.P. Morgan? Yes. Interesting. This is like... Like president would be a demotion. He's one of those guys. And he's a like he is as as swampy as they come. What's the yeah, what's the early life check? Um, I think he's probably actually that's kind of an interesting thing. I know he's not uh um the typical early life um come on. I literally cannot type. Um American billionaire executive. Born in New York City, he's Greek. His grandfather ah, okay. was a Greek immigrant. Interesting. Um, and changed the family name from Papa Dimitriou to <laughs> Diamond. I, I wonder why. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, went to Greek Browning. Um, yeah, he's, I mean, he is, he's, he is like just, he's as deep as you can get into the, um, the, the, the belly of the regime. I don't I don't think that people appreciate the sheer significance of someone like that saying Trump was right on immigration. Trump was right on the economy. Trump was right on NATO. These are like the three biggest platforms of the regime right now. And he is full scale conceding it to Trump. He 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 added something like uh, like I wish he hadn't said it the way he did. It was kind of mean or whatever. Like he threw that token thing in there. And then the same day. Javier Malay goes to the World Economic Forum and stands on the World Economic Forum stage at the World Economic Forum podium and absolutely fucking firehoses the World Economic Forum. Just like 25 minutes of straight just dumping all over them. And talking My mortal about... enemy. My mortal what? enemy makes an interesting point in the chat. What the fuck does it even mean to, quote, believe something or not? This is politics, not a confession. Yeah, right. Yes. Yes. Like, I, I am fully ready. We were talking about this in the Kingpilled voice chat the other day. I, I am fully ready for us to return to the days where it was like, you're not my friend. Here, I am going to pay you. Now you're my friend. Okay. You're going to pay me? Okay, I'm your friend. Mm -hmm. Like, it's very clean and elegant. Just... You know, my family has been at war with your family. Look at this. I have a son. I, I'm I have a son. A large dowry to your daughter. They're going to be now married, you, and now we're friends. Now you're royalty. Keep doing what you're doing. Yes. You work for me now. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. This, I'm very ready for this. I do not. Mm -hmm. I I could not possibly care less about how much you actually believe in your soul and your heart of hearts. If you actually are a true believer. I just want you to do the things that make my life better that I can benefit from. Matt, can you turn yourself up? Yes. Just crank yourself up all the way below these speakers. Okay. Fuck them. I'm cranked. Um, 
uh, Kate J says, uh, dude's at risk of going to jail. He's clearly not doing this for the lulls. Yeah. Like, in fairness to some of these people, I think they probably just see clips of him barnstorming, of him doing the thing where he's just throwing red meat to the boomer Republican crowd. And if you if that's all that you saw of him and you don't listen to his long form conversations, then you're not like we're seeing a someone run like this is more significant than just Vivek. What we're seeing is someone who's laying down the model for how presidential campaigns are going to be conducted going forward. Successful ones, that is. He's going around and hitting all of the podcasts and he he hits all the podcasts. He's even kind of small ones. Yeah. He's gone on small ones. He's gone on big ones. He's gone on uh, what's the the uh, the Breakfast Club. He's and he goes. He'll talk to basically anybody, and he can have a straight up conversation. And you can tell that he's not just reciting off talking points. That he's actually like, he's he's speaking off the cuff and better about any of this stuff. Like nobody would nobody would call him a grifter if he was a podcaster. If he was just hosting a podcast and he was a billionaire, uh, like hedge fund manager or whatever, and he was had a podcast talking about politics and economics and, and finance and trade and whatever else, he would have a very interesting podcast just to listen to, just to sit down and hear him weigh in and interview people. And he's very, very charismatic, knows how to hold a conversation really well. And he would just have, he would just have a really interesting podcast. I would download it and listen to it. And if he went from there to then, and people got to know him as this guy who talks off the cuff about on a really deep, knowledgeable level about all these whole, whole wide variety of, of topics, people would be like, run for president, run for president, run for president. And then, so like he could have gone that route. But this is, this is the type of guy who's now, we have someone running in a pres, presidential candidate, candid, or a, uh, 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 running a presidential campaign who is doing the go on Joe Rogan. Remember, everybody wanted Trump to go on Rogan and talk to him. Now here, four years later, Trump going on Rogan would be less interesting than Vivek going on Rogan. Trump going on Rogan might be more interesting for the like the sheer um, memes, the, 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 just the, the sheer absurdity of it. But in terms of like an actual conversation that you would want to listen to, like Trump would be incredibly boring. They would just be... Like, it's just going to be boomer platitudes. Uh, you might get a funny nickname out of it or something like that. But Vivek would be the guy who could go sit there with Rogan and talk in depth for five hours about um, across t 20 different verticals. This I is very Trump, significant. Trump would be a lot of fun to talk to at like a bar. Uh-huh. Like watching a football game or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ryan Isaacs is way more interesting than Yang, regardless of politics. Right. Yang was like a, Yang was a fruitcake. He was just a, a, a goober who didn't, who like never said anything interesting. What was his shtick? Something like compassionate capitalism or human capitalism or something. Do you remember? Um, I know what you want. It was the UBI was his big. His right, big, right, uh, right. But he, he couched that under this like bigger umbrella that he called like compassionate. He had a whole landing page. I remember reading half of it and being like, what is this? Mm hmm. I don't know. Oh, hey, our, our troll is commenting again. <clears throat> he sold investors and the public on the notion that his biotech companies were developing promising drugs and then cashed out regardless of whether they actually did, according to the New York Times. Cool. Good for him. He's yeah, worth a billion. Okay. You're not. Right. 
according to the New York Times. Why are you going to the New York Times? Oh, you're going to come out cite the New York Times to us. Oh, mortally wounded. How are we going to? The New York Times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the most trusted right wing news source. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Even if that was true. Even if that was true. I don't care. I could, could not, care not less. possibly care less. Yeah, I guess you got to column rock. Guys, I have to remove my support for Vivek. Yes. Thank <laughs> you, Trump Waffer, for bringing this to our attention. I guess the show's uh-huh. over. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Th- now we're going to have to have that that radical pivot in a different direction that we told you guys about. You oh, know, he called us cucks. Hey, can you do you have more friends that you can bring oh, in here? This man. is fun. Yes. We're cucks. I've always wanted to be a cuck. <laughs> you guys love the grift. Yeah, I've said that like 30 times. Uh-huh. That's Do you have some yes. money to give us Trump Whoppers? Or are you as poor as you act? Oof. Give us a super chat. If you give us a super chat, I will post it on the screen. Not only that, if you give us a super chat, you can get into our Discord for free. Yes. Yes. If you give us a super chat, we will 100% allow you in the Discord for free. Sorry, everybody in the Discord that doesn't want him there. It's He's he's coming in. Open invitation. Come on, dude. I like this energy. It could be $199, like the smallest super chat amount available. I don't care. Give us money. <laughs> Pay me to be your friend is a direct quote. Right. <laughs> Yes. There's many others along those lines. We are taking applications for friends. The more you pay us, the closer of a friend you are to us. You want to be in the inner circle? You pay me enough and Cooper's ass is gone. I don't like, I don't care. You guys will never hear from him again. Yeah. 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 You can be the new (laughs) co-host. Right. You can have my personal phone number. (laughs) Uh, Sick Wyman on him. Yeah. Well, see, Wyman would probably be saying the same thing. <clears throat> I won't give you some advice, but I'll give you some advice for free. <gasps> I won't give you money. Oh. What'd I say? Advice. You said advice twice. Oh, yeah. I won't give I you won't money, give... but I'll give you some advice for free. Oh, I'll bet you that advice is worth as much as it costs. <laughs> Discord is for grifters, according to the New York Times. <laughs> free advice is for libertarians. <laughs> <laughs> this is fun yeah get all your your shitty friends to come in here all your goblins yeah yeah i mean this assumes that he has friends who would come in here but you know i, I kind of like i suspect the fact that he's just going around and uh you know he's named himself after his idol and then he's going around and and uh uh, screeching at people. Uh, I don't know in, though. I don't. Is this? Is it like ironic though? I don't know because he apparently reads the New York Times, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, I rescind my compliment at the beginning when I told you you had a great name. Uh huh. <laughs> um. All right. One other thing that I wanted to to drop on your guys' radar for right now, and then uh, we'll talk about it more as I as I actually understand more of what's going on. But the <clears throat> uh, this thing, Project 2025, it is 
ordinarily I would look at this sort of thing and just kind of shrug. I'd just be like, yeah, whatever. Um, you know, I've, I've seen these sorts of things where you get the, the big conservative, uh, uh, think tanks and stuff are like, Oh, we've got our new plan and yeah, whatever. Yeah. You have your new plan. It's, it's, you know, no matter how cool the plan is, I I've, I've played this game and no matter how cool the plan is by the time it actually gets anywhere close to anyone with actual influence, then it just is, it, it gets pissed all over. Um, but uh, in this particular case, this is very interesting because I've listened to uh, uh, some stuff from the the director Paul Dans, and then the uh, it's the it's led by the Heritage Foundation, which is interesting because the Heritage Foundation Heritage Foundation is probably the of all the paused uh, conservative think tanks, the Heritage Foundation is probably the one that's the closest to being not gay. And uh, uh, what's his name? Kevin Roberts is the president. I've listened to some conversations with him. And uh, uh, basically kind of picking up on what the milieu is right now, what the driving conversation is, and the people who are signaling to each other through these different media events and stuff. And there is legitimate momentum behind this. And many of the talking points that are within the Project 2025 presidential transition project um key key bullet points are a lot of the same things that vivek is talking about i don't know if these are if they're directly connected to one another if they're directly working together um that's one thing i want to dig into and start seeing i mean part of the thing is that this this project 2025 has a where was the list of um partners or whatever i saw a list of partners with it somewhere that's like <laughs> gigantically massively long so it's connected to basically anybody um but the specific okay yeah, here we go a broad coalition of over 80 conservative organizations mainly conservative think tanks as well as several universities <laughs> and the magazine the american conservative all right what am i missing out on here <laughs> just like trump whoppers as the 21st century began human evolution was at a turning point in jay reek just no one cares dude I don't know why, but that tickled me. <laughs> yeah. uh, at least boomers can read. Oh, man. Oh, I don't know what I've been doing with your comments. <laughs> the only thing that would make me more triggered, says uh, this 2-Bit Podcast, is if you gave Kingpilled some money to prove their grift. Expose That's right. it. Yes. <clears throat> As the what 21st no. century, <laughs> no. now he's monologuing. Oh, this is incredible. Okay, we got to we got to read this here so, so people can, can follow along. Natural selection: the process by which the strongest, the smartest, the fastest. Do it, yeah, do it in your boomer voice. Fast. Do it in your boomer voice. <laughs> Let me see if I could get if I could pull it up here. <clears throat> Natural selection, the process by which the strongest, the smartest, the fastest, reproduced in greater numbers than the rest, a process which had once favored the noblest traits of man, now began to favor different traits. Slower. Most science fiction of the day predicted a future that was more civilized and more intelligent. But as time went on, things seemed to be heading in the opposite direction, a dumbing down. How did this happen? Evolution does not necessarily reward intelligence. 
With no natural predators to thin the herd, it began to simply reward those who reproduced the most and left the intelligent to become an endangered species. The number one movie in America was called Ass, and that's all it was for 90 minutes. It won eight Oscars that year, including Best Screenplay. Shit, I know shit's bad right now with all that starving bullshit and the dust storms, and we are running out of French fries. <laughs> He's just doing the uh, the the um, opening monologue for uh, for Idiocracy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, okay, <clears throat> so... The welcome to the Trump Whoppers TED Talk. This Project 2025 thing, we'll do another episode and, and, and get into it a little more as I learn more about it. Um, what I've seen so far, it's very interesting. There's a lot of, for one thing, heritage is um, uh, connected with uh, Hillsdale College. And Hillsdale College is Michael Anton. And Michael Anton is the first person I ever had heard Red Caesar from. So again, he, oh, I look at all these little interesting connections tying in here. There's uh, different names that are involved in this, Cash Patel, Steve Bannon, um, uh, Stephen Miller. And the, the main planks that they're, they're uh, talking about are uh, abortion, citizenship, uh, climate policy, um, expansion of presidential powers. This is a thing that I think we're going to be hearing lots and lots of conversations about over the next several months. Um, outlawing pornography is one of, their, one of their things. This is the other one, personnel. They are, what we're seeing here is a, a replacement for the federal bureaucracy that's being formulated ahead of time. And the, the incoming, if there is an incoming Trump administration, that Trump administration is going to have the, they're going to be surrounded by a bunch of people who were dissatisfied with how the last Trump campaign turned, how the Trump campaign became the Trump administration. And they're openly saying this ahead of time and saying, we're gonna. We're not gonna let this happen again. <clears throat> Which is interesting to see. This is not. This is not your run of the mill, uh, boomer conservative, uh, like like basic uh, whatever the conservative wishy washy mainstream mealy mouth stuff that you've gotten over the last however many decades. This is a distinctly different tone. This is vengeful son tone. That's the from the what I've read of it so far. That's what's in there, and these are mostly. The most influential people who are involved in this are younger. They're part of the next generation that's coming up. Uh, so it says um, uh, Project 2025 is aligned with Trump's plans to fire more government employees than allocated to the president using Schedule F, a job classification established by Trump in an executive order in July 2020. Although the classification was rescinded by Biden in January 2021, Trump has previously stated that he intends to restore it. The Heritage Foundation plans on having 20,000 personnel in its database by the end of 2024. Um, and uh, Russell Vogt, a former Trump administration official who heads the Center for Renewing America, stated that the project's goal of removing federal workers would be a wrecking ball for the administrative state. Uh, and then a last thing here, uh, uh, separation of church and state. It says a tenet of the project is, quote, the message that America must remain Christian, that Christianity should enjoy a privileged place in society, and that the government must take steps to ensure this is clear in every section of the plan, as is the idea that American identity cannot be separated from Christianity. These are not the types of words that I would expect to see in a project that's closely associated with what is appearing to be the uh, centralization of power within 
the broader you know, Republican or whatever coalition. But what this tells me is that we've got lots of interesting stuff to come over the next year. There's gonna be a lot of very interesting conversations. Go listen to the Sean Ryan show episode with Vivek because he goes into a lot of nitty gritty detail about specific policies, specific offices, um, specific pieces of legislation, um, specific functions of the of Congress with respect to the executive branch and vice versa. And like the dude, the, I, I'm like, I'm learning stuff about how this stuff works just from listening to him. But I think what I'm seeing is that he is um, part of the messaging apparatus that is establishing and framing the conversation for what the key things people are going to be debating over and the, the actual tug of war of power, the, the issues that that tug of war of power is going to center around. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. I don't have any idea. You know, I, I'm not, I'm stuff is coming out of left field so quickly at this point that I'm not going to get in the business of making specific predictions about who's going to do what, or who's going to wind up where, or what specific things going to happen. Because I, I mean, by November of 2024, we could be under active alien occupation and Skynet <laughs> could be flying around. And uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. So, so, uh, Matt, what, what would you do if an asteroid landed in your backyard? <laughs> I would probably kick it. <clears throat> $2 from Tatiana. Thank for your grift. Thank you, Tatiana. And Column Rock, $5. President Camacho, 2024. Here, here. <clears throat> Thank you, guys. Oh, we got another one coming in. $10 from Magoo. He says, the power of the grift compelled me. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. We just got to appreciate do that you guys. Uh-huh. Lean into the grift and argue with trolls. If any of you are interested in um, creating a sock account to come in and pretend to be a troll that we can argue with, that we can then uh, grift off of, then... Uh, hit us up. We are taking applications. Uh, it's not a paid role. Uh, it is just uh, um, you get to participate in being devious with us. That's what we pay in. <clears throat> Likewise, there's an open position for reply guys. Uh-huh. And if you would like to, um, you know, take us up on that offer, go ahead and leave a reply. Mm-hmm. And just keep doing yes. that. Right, right. We, we, we will gladly amplify any of our most consistent reply guys. I don't care if you're replying and agreeing with us or replying and disagreeing with us. We like it either way. Please reply. Uh-huh. <laughs> to apply. Anything else? Mm, I don't know. Have you seen any funny tweets or anything recently? It's been a while since we've laughed at something. It's been all protein recently. I feel like we've just been laughing for the last like little while. Let's see. Let's scroll. I think some people got kind of. uh, I think some people got a little irritated with us. uh, Acknowledging, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, sorry guys. It's uh, we're actually not start, not sorry. Go listen to the last three episodes if you want more protein. Right. But we like to have fun every now and then. Uh, Let me see if there was any. I have a, a little bookmark folder on Twitter called episode content. And <laughs> let me see if there's any. Uh, let me check the notes things. on my hand. See if I wrote anything good. <laughs> no, no, nope, nope, Don't got anything interesting from any time recently. Oh, geez. 
I didn't realize how many of the big things. Oh yeah. On here. <laughs> did you uh, did you see the big giant space asshole? Oh yeah 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 I did. Hold on, let me see. I just actually scrolled past something about the space asshole. <laughs> like... Um, yeah, here we go. You guys ready to see a space asshole? Because here's a space asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to that next level docuseries with all the alien, spiritual, UAP, NHI stuff coming out. <laughs> uh, this supposedly is... Is it actually... Happening? In appearance. Uh, uh. Sorry. For the first time in unprecedented detail, we have captured an image of the Demiurge, the universe's first butthole, both in appearance and disposition. Huh, do you smell that? Smells like jealousy. Yeah, so for those who don't know, this is allegedly NASA's first 3D rendering of a black hole. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? What? So I was listening. Um, what's that guy's name? Um, I, would, I think I just listened to him on the Michael Knowles show like a week or two ago. Anyway, he's one of these dudes who goes out and like uh, like sets up sting operations to catch pedophiles. Oh, yeah. And he was saying like, you know, Michael Knowles asked him, was like, is there, is there any hope for these guys? Can they get better? You know, and he's like, dude, I had one guy who was out on parole. He had a court case in like, or a hearing, whatever, in like a month. All he had to do was go a month without downloading a bunch of cheesy pizza all over his devices. That's all he had to do. And he would have been home free. And he couldn't help himself. And that makes me think of like NASA. Like they can't help themselves. They just keep putting shit like this out. <laughs> They're trying to convince people of flat earth. I swear. Who's the, what's the name of that one astronaut guy who just makes things up? The bald dude that Wyman oh, yeah. always out about. That guy's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Jim Bob does a really good impression of him. Uh, <laughs> that guy's great. What's his name? Our, our, our Jim Bob people in here are going to, are going to have our back shortly. So do you guys catch up to us? Um, what's the guy's freaking name? Nine eighty nine. Jay Reig says breaking. George De George Takei has died of grids. Okay, Don Pettit. Yeah, Don Pettit. Don Pettit. <laughs> Don Pettit. That's of. right. Yeah, Don. Is this He's a joke? Or did George Takei actually die? I don't know what grids is. <clears throat> there's a uh, there's a uh, apparently a meme that I don't get. <clears throat> We should try to get Don Pettit on. I wonder if we could. What I'd really like to see is uh, a, a conversation between... This has never happened. It would just absolutely never happen. But a conversation between Don Pettit and Austin Witsit, where Witsit is like forced to actually take him seriously and like like pretend he's actually a person and have a conversation with him. It, it just... You would watch Witsit just age like 20 years over the course of that conversation. It would be so agonizing to him. <laughs> but yeah, this isn't... Seeing that a black hole apparently looks like a butthole is not uh, <laughs> is not uh, increasing my confidence in the standard model. <laughs> 
Solomon asked if we're in the Orthodox Discord. Um, I think like, I might be, but I don't. I like never active in there at all. I, like I Jay's Jay's Discord. I think that's probably what he's referring to. Yeah, I'm um, I'm in there. I don't I don't ever go in. We're in the King Pill Discord, <clears throat> um, and we would invite you to come join in to the King Pill King Pill Discord by going to subscribestar.com slash kingpilled. Uh, you could join me on a voice chat later this evening after I uh, help my wife get the little man down. Uh, I'll be hopping on there to to BS for a while in uh, the voice chat. Solomon says, you guys don't think there's any validity to Flat Earth stuff? You should go back and listen to... We've done an episode talking about Flat Earth. You should go back and it should be easy to find. It's the only episode we have that has Flat Earth in the title. But go listen to that one. That'll kind of give you a uh, a feel for for our relationship to flatter yeah i don't i don't uh it's kind of hard to judge the tone of that question is it like you guys don't think there's any validity to flat earth stuff or you know or the opposite yeah like uh is is this judgmental or is this uh <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it looks like it's uh uh he's actually interested so yeah I'll say I don't, I don't, uh, I haven't been fully persuaded of flat earth, but I've definitely been uh, persuaded away from uh, globe earth. I just don't, I'm not super invested in it. I think it's interesting and I, I'm yeah, I watching really stuff that about it, but it doesn't make a huge difference to me. I do want to go to like Lemuria or like Hyperborea or, uh-huh. you know, these continents on the outside of the ice wall. That'd be fun. It'd be cool to go to Hyperborea and, and, and like found, you know, like a lodge <coughs> kind of. Hmm. Just hang out there. Yeah. That'd be pretty neat. Start a fraternal order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could call it like the Hyperborean Lodge. Hey, we're working on something like that, aren't we? That'd be interesting. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. I, I don't, I don't right, have anything. Do you want to drag it out for another five minutes? Because we're almost to two hours. No, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, guys. Follow me on Twitter at RealKingPilled. He's at Cooper Brooks. Like the stream, share it, subscribe to the channel. I've heard from a few different people that they aren't getting notifications. Try unsubscribing and subscribing and, and adding notifications in again so you know when we go live. It does, YouTube does funky stuff, whatever. Um, thank you guys. We'll see you later.